0: Good morning everybody, welcome to the program on this Tuesday morning, a mostly sunny day for Sydney, tops of 26 for the city but much warmer out west, so 32, the expected top for Penrith today, possible shower heading our way tomorrow and Thursday and then sort of backing off a little bit towards the back end of the week, weather will be a hot topic of conversation when we get to the semi-finals of the one-day international world cup and particularly for australia you might have heard Vossie and brandy talking about this and i did some more checking on the forecast there. 60 percent chance of rain ahead of the one-day international semi-final between australia and south africa but then it gets to a hundred percent chance by night time at eden gardens in calcutta so how's that going to affect everything we'll find out and have a chat with Tim Payne this morning, former Australian captain, will be my special guest. And I also want to know from Tim, Manus or Marcus? It's that kind of straightforward for the Aussie selectors, or is it? Dig into that in just a second. Scotty Bailey will be with me from AAP with his take on the fallout from the 2024 NRL draw, which we brought you yesterday as it emerged while we are on air. Most of the details we kind of knew anyway, and then everybody's been picking through it. Simon Hill will be along to talk football, and Kayla George from the Sydney Flames. So her new team, she's done it all in the world of basketball and is now at the Sydney Flames this season. For the next couple of seasons, it was a three-year deal with a mutual option for the third. So they're trying to build something pretty good and pretty special there at the Sydney Flames, and Kayla will give us an insight into that multiple WNBL champion WNBA champ, she's won gold medal for Australia at the Commonwealth Games, a World Cup silver and bronze medals, she has quite literally done it all and here she faces a different kind of challenge as they rebuild and try and build something very big under Guy Malloy at the Sydney Flames. So that's the lineup of guests this morning. Of course, you have the big say on this program on one 300 one eleven seventy on the open line, or 0457 736 736 on the text line. And we really got moving yesterday to start the week. You know, it was this time last week we were talking about the Melbourne Cup, how quickly we move on. And we now focus especially not just on footy and what's ahead of us in 2024, but cricket. So let's start there. That weather forecast, like I said, will be all important. The Manus or Marcus conversation continues. South Africa's captain, Temba Bavuma, has been out, and taking part in optional training. So he's been suffering from a hamstring strain. And this will be a critical selection for South Africa, whether or not Bavuma comes in or he won't make it. So he did some light running, some light batting. Aidan Markram is likely to captain South Africa if Temba will not play in the semi-final. Meanwhile, the selection headache for Australia, they'll have it sorted by now. But we have to wait and see what's going to happen in between now and Thursday. India v. New Zealand before that on Wednesday at Wonkaidi Stadium. So it appears here that if you win the toss, you're going okay. The average score batting first at this stadium at this World Cup has been 6 for 357. Chasing, 9 for 188. And that includes Glenn Maxwell's double century innings. So the new ball has been causing a bit of chaos under lights and later into the night in that one. So you don't want to be batting second if you can avoid it. And if you are, then you have to hold on through the first 15 overs at least. And perhaps it also comes down to Rohit Sharma for India because he's turned the script. He's he's flipped the script on what to do at the top of the innings for him. Explosive starts. He scored more power play runs He scored quicker and at a higher average with more fours and more sixes than anyone at this World Cup. And that opens the gates for the others to get going minus the pressure. So if India are to continue this unbelievable unbeaten run at their home ODI World Cup, perhaps it sits on the toss and perhaps it sits on Rohit Sharma's performance. Meanwhile, Mitchell Stark's throwing something out there for the ODIs and said why don't we just go back to using one ball instead of twos particularly on the small grounds and flat wickets so he believes that the use of a new kookaburra after 25 overs has limited the ability to gain that reverse swing particularly in the daytime let's have a listen to Mitch Stark's thoughts here on returning to one ball
1: yeah I think on on particular wickets or again on on different uh, whether you battle ball first certainly bowling first on particular wickets the the new ball, I think, with two two fielders out, has been almost sometimes the hardest time to bowl. You get a, a bit of an understanding of the wickets whilst the game goes on and, and whether they slow up or the ball gets softer. So that's not a sob story. It's just like that's the, the nature of one-day cricket at the minute. You've got two brand-new balls on, on flat wickets. I think that's the nature of the World Cup. If you look at the runs scored or certainly the century scored as opposed to five wickets taken, the ratios are. a heavily skewed so but that's the nature of the world cup certainly on the wickets over here and bowlers just have to find a way and get used to it i still think it should be one ball not two what would what, what, what make you say that <laughs> the ball stays harder for longer as we've seen here the grounds are quite small wickets are flat if anything in world cricket wickets have gotten flatter and i think if you look at some of that old footage where they that one ball reverse swing comes into it a lot more that actually brings the bowlers back into the game and i don't think there's any secret that one day cricket and probably t20 cricket as well was the baddest game and bowlers just have to hang on
0: the ball stays harder for longer. If you're listening to anyone in this debate, I reckon you're listening to somebody like Mitchell Stark. And in his own words, he, you know, he knows that he hasn't been absolutely braining him this year's ODI World Cup. He's taken 10 wickets at an average of 44 with an economy rate of 6.55. But it's not an excuse here. It's just an opinion. What do you think on this one? Do you agree with Mitchell Stark or are you happy with the way... That the ODI World Cup has been playing out. Let me know your thoughts. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. So to rugby league we go, and the fallout from the draw that was uh, released yesterday. Cronulla Sharks again, another easy draw. The South Sydney Rabbitohs, you would say, have the hardest draw. So the Sharks will play this year's bottom four teams eight times next year, and this year's finalists just nine times in 2024. The Bunnies will have 13 games against finalists from this season. The Eels, no team will have more matches against teams coming off a bye next year. They'll have five matches against teams coming off the bye. The Dragons, as we know, missing magic round. Tigers, as we know, get the round one bye. And the Warriors finish off with a bye. That's an interesting one too. Would you rather your team have the bye in round one? Or round 27. Would you rather them sort of be able to sit back and get another week of preseason training? Essentially, we'll have the preseason challenge, but would you prefer your team just to have an extra week off, get everyone back together and back into the swing of things, or would you prefer to them prefer them to have the buy at the end when everyone's busted up and hopefully your team's going into the finals? Give me your opinions on that. What's your option? First round, last round bye. Let me know. The Eels, Tigers, and Storm have the most five day turnarounds with three, and the Bulldogs and Seagulls have none. And of course, Anzac Day fixtures got a lot of people talking yesterday saying, hang on a second, what's happening here? Well, what's happening is we've now got three. And Thursday, so Anzac Day in 2024 falls on a Thursday. It'll be the Warriors hosting the Titans at Go Media Stadium in Auckland, beamed into here on Thursday afternoon. Dragons v Roosters on Thursday at 4 o'clock Eastern Daylight Saving Time. So that's at Allianz Stadium. And then, of course, Storm v Rabbitohs on Thursday night at Amy Park. We know this. The Warriors will put on a very emotional show over there in front of their home fans at Go Media. The Dragons Roosters blockbuster speaks for itself. At Allianz Stadium, with its history, and again, the storm at Amy Park on that Anzac Day evening is something very, very special. And this time around, it'll be against the Rabbitohs. So you've had 24 hours to pick your way through it. Do you put any emphasis on your team's schedule? We had a lot of people saying yesterday, "Who cares?" I mean, it's going to play out the way it's going to play out. And essentially, most of the top eight teams will be there when the whips are cracking anyway. So do I really care about how it falls uh, along the way? Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, you've got to take a look at, for instance, the Eels the with those teams that they've got to face coming off the buys. I mean, you've got to throw it all in the mix, not to mention the Las Vegas doubleheader to start it. So now that you've had a good chance to think about it, let me ask you this. Do you think your draw makes you consider your team's outcome next year any differently? Do you look at it and go, well, I thought we were going to go top eight, but now it's a little bit harder? Or do you just think it is what it is? And when, like I say, the whips are cracking and the top eight comes on through, that those usual suspects will be there. one 300 1170 is the open line number. Meanwhile, Andrew Abdo faced the press yesterday and spoke at length about the draw and a whole heap of other issues, State of Origin, the State of Origin women's game going to three matches next season, which is absolutely awesome. Um, But also, whether or not they would ratify, this is the ARL Commission, would ratify salary cap exemptions to sign players from rival codes, something we discussed yesterday. You gave me plenty of your thoughts, and obviously here we're looking... At Rugby Union, mostly in this one. So here's what the NRL CEO had to say.
2: Many of those players played uh, when they were juniors. uh, It's a great opportunity to try and get them back. If we can come up with good incentives for us to attract athletes from other codes, uh, the commission have said that they uh, are willing to look at that, and that's exciting for us.
3: Is it about getting one back on rugby after they stole Joseph Sueli?
2: We just focused on our sport. We focused on league and making it the best possible experience, not just for fans, but for players as well.
0: (laughs) So is it us versus them, do you think? Is it, is it league v. union, If depending on which side you're on? Or is it just smart practice? Of course they've got to go looking there. And if they can make it easier, then of course they should. So we can ask questions about Joseph E or not. Um, they had to empty the bank virtually at Rugby Union to try and get him over there. And perhaps they've got to cut some slack on the other way around as well. If cutting slack means ratifying salary cap exemptions, then let's see. Let's see. I've got no problems with it. It's all talk at the moment, but I've got no dramas with it. If you're at the NRL, that's smart business. If you're at Rugby Australia, it's just another challenge that you've got to face from your opposition, from your competition, I should say. Not so much your opposition, but your competition. And that's what it is at the moment. And that's another challenge that they've got to face. But that's in their court right now, and we'll see how that one plays out. And now that you've heard from the NRL CEO, sounds pretty gung-ho about it. What are your thoughts about it? The Titans CEO, Steve Mitchell, has addressed the David Fafita rumours. Haven't we been here before, folks? Haven't we been down this road before? This, to me, speaks of player power in the marketplace. And it reflects where players sit, what they can do and what they can put on the table, especially if you're somebody like David Fafita. So, rumours around he wouldn't be at the club in 2025. News Corp broke the story that, despite Fafita signing a three-year extension with the club back in August, the new deal included player options for 25 and 26. So it means that David Fafita could effectively become a free agent on November 1, that that dreaded date. The secret clause which is not so secret now. <laughs> the secret clause um, apparently has nothing to do with money, but was purely put in his contract to ensure Fafita had time to strike up a relationship with Des Hasler. And under the terms of the clause, it's believed that that time is up until round 10, which is when David Fafita and management will have a chance to take up that deal with the Titans for 2025 or go somewhere else. So, I mean, if you if you look at it, just in pure plain terms from what we understand from the reports, David Fafita's got until round ten to work out whether or not he likes working with Des Hasler or <laughs> struck up a relationship. Who's the coach and who's the player here? I would suggest that this is just part of what a player in David Fafita's position can do, which is put some some sort of, you know, clauses in there that say, well, essentially I've got the power here and I'm going to use it. I don't know if it's got anything to do with a relationship with the coach. It'll have probably more to do with results. If they're going like bastards up until round 10 and they can't see a way out, then he can look around. And again, that goes straight back to the player in this position having the power. Steve Mitchell was on Sports Day last night with Scotty Sattler and Jason Matthews, and here's what he had to say. The Gold Coast Titans CEO.
4: Quite a bit of disinformation in the public domain at the moment. It's a subject that we don't talk to on any of our players, yep. um, just because it's it's, a, it's something that's um, in confidence in an employee and employer uh, relationship. So it's hard to talk to. Dave's back. He's keen. He's he's excited to be working with with Des. Hard for me to speak to contracts. If that if that makes sense. Are you confident that he'll be a Titan in 2025? I think Dave loves the environment. He loves the resources that we've got here. He enjoys the club. He, he believes in our purpose and where we're going, the opportunity, and he's got a great relationship with the play group and the, the coaching staff that are here. If David plays himself the way he did this year, I'm, uh, and, and I'm confident he is, he's up and he's and excited, he'll have a breakout year for us. Yeah, I'm confident he's here with us. Do you expect this to be <laughs> sorted out soon? Uh, Yeah.
0: Aha! There you go. Yeah. So. I don't know what they've got to sort out, though. If he's signed the three-year extension back in August and there's player options for 2025 and 26, obviously the options are what they've got to sort out. So they want to lock that up as soon as possible. They don't want it hanging out there, but that was obviously what they had to do to get that deal done at the time. Advantage, rugby league player in that scenario. They're the ones that have... The power in that scenario. In NFL today, just after midday, the Buffalo Bills five and four will take on the Denver Broncos. You can catch every NFL game this season with Game Pass. Visit NFLgamePass.com. So that's what's on the list this morning, folks, on this Tuesday morning. one 1170 is the open line number or 45 You've had time to digest the rugby league draw for 2024. Does it change anything? in any way, what you are thinking or expecting of your team next season and finals hopes. What about the ODI World Cup? Do you think we should just go back to the one ball? Should we be listening to Mitchell Stark here and go, hey, let's just bring it back to the bowler or a little bit, folks? You can have your say on that. Come back and join us after this on the mornings program right here on SEN. It's your home of sport in Sydney. The Coffs Raider Reedy has said on our text line regarding the draw, all Canberra Raiders games locations are listed except the one I want to take the young fellow to, which is against the Dolphins away, is listed as TBC. What's up with that? So we did some digging for you, Coffs Raider. You ask a very good question, my friend. Round 13 is the one you're talking about. Dolphins, it's a home game for them, the Raiders. And at the moment, you're right, it's just got TBA, so nothing there. But when you take a look at what the Dolphins will be doing in 2024, it begs the question, why isn't it at home? Because they will play at KO Stadium at Redcliffe in round two. They've got their first home game, but it's at Suncorp Stadium. So I'm just talking about Redcliffe. They'll have played at Redcliffe in round two, and they won't play again if they don't play against your Raiders at Redcliffe. And there's also a TBA against Manly, in Round 10, they won't play at Redcliffe again until Round 19. So that's really interesting. They've got the bye in Round 18 and Round 14. They've got matches at Suncorp Stadium, home matches at Suncorp and also, uh, yeah, Suncorp and then one at um, KO at Redcliffe. But if they don't play the match against Manly or the match against your Raiders, Round 10 and Round 13, respectively, At home, They won't have played at Redcliffe in between rounds 2 and 19. So that's a good one to throw out there and an interesting one. So we might uh, reach out to the Dolphins there and see what the story is with that one. Um, But thank you for that. Let's see if we can get you an answer out of that one. What about the WBBL last night? Sydney Sixers v Hobart Hurricanes. The Sixers won by three wickets on the final ball. So 7 for 140, they were chasing that 140 to win off their 20 overs. They needed 30 runs from their final three overs and then 10 off the last over. Matilda Carmichael, former hockey ruse player, ended up with 32 not out of 21 and was hitting to the boundary. So it came down to the last ball. Match was tied. Kate Peterson facing for the Sydney Sixers.
2: OK, here we go. Scores are tied. It's bat on ball. It's, yeah, it's
0: fine enough. There we go. The win to the Sydney Sixers. It's Peterson that hits the winning run, but all eyes are on Tilly Carmichael. That is her best innings in the WBBL. Not by runs, but importance for the Sydney Sixers. She's got her side over the line, and it's left the Hobart Hurricanes wondering
5: what on earth happened.
0: Yeah, exactly. It also means the win is the Sixers' fourth in a row. So it's a timely victory after their slow start to the season. They've had a... And remember how fast the season runs. They've they've um, certainly bounced back and bounced back accordingly. And Tilly Carmichael there, like I say, 32 from 21 balls. And she did the job. i, I got to say, I watch a lot of the WBBL and I absolutely love it. What ha- What's happened to the crowds at Hobart in particular? That's the second match... That I've watched in the last week or so, there is nobody there. Uh, like it's zero town. I don't know what the official number is. We'll have a look, but it's got to be in the hundreds, which is a real, real pity. Um, and especially after seeing that kind of win last night. So Hobart eight for one thirty nine. In response, the Sixes seven for a hundred and forty, and they now win their fourth in a row. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six is the text line, one three hundred o one eleven seventy. 70 is the open line. Scotty Bailey will join me from AAP. We'll cover NRL and cricket as well and we're getting the Women's Tour of India dates locked in along the way and Tim Payne, former Australian skipper will be my special guest in our next hour of the program so make sure you stick around. If you've got any questions for Tim, fire them on in. Later on this morning from the Sydney Flames, Kayla George will join me to talk basketball. A ripping chat with Kayla who's Done it all in that sport so far and is now at the Flames with her good mate from way, 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 way back when they were playing under 14s together, Tess Magin, So they've reunited here at the Flames. That's all coming up on this Tuesday morning. Let's go to the news. Thanks, Vanessa. On the text line, Logan, uh, the Logan Warriors says, Maddie, am I missing something here in regards to employment? Since when do you get a job offer and then get to choose who your boss is? Um, does that mean that you're the boss or coach? Maybe they should be proprietary limited companies in contract to the clubs and then they can be their own bosses. <laughs> yeah, look, what it shows is that the, the player has the power, essentially, and especially if you're somebody like David Fafita. So it appears to me, we don't know, um, but it appears to me that they whatever they had to do to get that deal done last August, um, August just gone, that they had to do, which was put in some clauses there even though they got a three-year extension off him that includes options for 2025 and 2026, and that's probably the key word, options, in all of this. What are the options? Well, that's open to what you can put on the table at the time. Thank you for that, but you pose a very, very good point. Scotty Bailey's on the line from AAP Sports. Might have some thoughts around that one in the David Fafita situation. Scotty, good morning to you. To me, it seems as though... I don't think the Titans are going to lose David Fafita, mate. You you might think differently, but um, it just seems as though he's him and his management have done what they can to get as much um, probably backup or favour into the clauses and the contract as they can.
6: Yeah, morning, Matty. Uh, yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head there. Like at the end of the day, the Titans couldn't afford to lose David Fafita and it would have been a disaster for Dez Hasler like if he'd gone up there and you know the first thing that had happened uh, in August was David Fafita you know, deciding he wasn't going to stay at the Titans and wanted to, to go hit the market. So, you know, they've done what they had to do to keep him. Des Hasler will absolutely back himself to keep David Fafita happy. I think, you know, say what you will about Dez, there's plenty of people who say plenty about him, but the reality is that if there's one thing Dez does well, it's back his players and, and keep players happy. Very, very rarely do you hear rumblings at clubs uh, about players being unhappy with Dez. It's happened before, but it's, it's pretty rare. Like, even you look at the manly sides coach you coached, know, and they were all Dez's disciples for the most part. Especially in his first stint there, and even in his second stint there, um, you know, guys like Kieran Foran, who's an influential voice up there, absolutely loves Dez Hasler, and then the dogs, like you know, the players that were there um, during his the early early years, they're absolutely swore by Dez. So, I would be stunned if we get to a situation where David Feeder is you know, leaving the Titans at the end of next year because. He's unhappy with Dez. I mean, there'll be plenty of clubs willing to throw a lot of money at him. Um, The Dragons obviously were pretty keen on Adam Smith Blake, and I dare say still will be if he gets released from the Warriors. The Titans have been keen on David's feet for a while, but there'll be other clubs who'd be keen to get him because why wouldn't you be? But yeah, like I said, I'd be very surprised if Dez can't keep him happy.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'd totally agree with that one. I mean, the Titans have already shown that they're willing to be flexible to try and. Make sure that he, that he you know, has a look at those options. They'll continue to be very flexible, I would think, to to keep him and make sure that he's happy there. Um, that's what you get when you're a player in demand, and that's exactly what mm-hmm. David Fafida is. I just want to touch something on Magic Round. I'll get your thoughts overall on the draw um, that mm-hmm. was released yesterday. So we know Dragons are going to miss Magic Round. There were reports last year or coming into this year that the reason why the Knights were missing Magic Round was based on fan engagement numbers. Etc. cetera, um, from the previous Magic round. The NRL has told us this morning that it, this decision is not based on fan engagement. Is there any reason, was there any reason given as to why the Dragons ended up in that position this year or for next there year? There wasn't
6: yesterday. Yeah, there wasn't yesterday, but like what I'd say is I, I sort of, I've been trying to track down for a month now who was going to this Magic round and my first guess, to be honest, was the Dragons because once you start, uh, working out who has to be there. So Newcastle had to be there because they missed it last year. Um, the eight clubs who host all had, or I put, you know, host uh, in inverted commas, but, you know, the eight clubs who have it as their home game all have to be there because they've got long standing deals with the NRL, um, you know, that they will play one of their home matches up there. So that's nine clubs. Then the Queensland clubs have to play at it. So uh, that's 13 clubs. Then, you know, you're not going to take Melbourne out of Magic Round uh, Penrith don't host, but the broadcasters will want Penrith there, given their status as the three-time uh, premiers. So all of a sudden, you know, you're left with a couple of clubs. I, I think off the top of my head, it was it left me with Parramatta, Canberra, and the Dragons as the possible clubs you could miss out. Um, so you know, then you start going. Well, Parramatta are a pretty popular club. Canberra has some ties up to Queensland. The Dragons are a club that's looked beyond a struggle for the last couple of years. So maybe they make the most uh, commercial sense for them to. To miss out, so you know it, it's sort of you know, the, you know the NRL really only had a couple of options. Well, from what I can make out, of course, Dragons fans won't be stoked with Those who travel to Magic Round or those who are based in Queensland. But as far as the, the football department are concerned, what, they certainly wouldn't be upset about it. It's one less uh, away trip they've got to do. There's all the commitments that come with Magic Round, uh, media commitments, being up there a few days earlier, all that kind of stuff that they don't have to worry about this season. So from what I can make out, the Dragons are pretty pretty stoked with their draw and I don't think there's too much um, disappointment from from down there about the Seattle Magic Round, except for the fact obviously they do have a lot of Queensland fans and I know that they saw Magic Round as a real opportunity to do fan engagement stuff up there but as far as the football departments concerned I don't think they're that upset and like I said I'm not sure the NRL had a stack of options probably only three clubs to choose from really
7: yeah yeah and
0: you still get the two points and then the other part of that is to you know um, a lot of people saying well okay Perhaps the team that finishes last, we should just make it really simple. The team that finishes last misses Magic Round the next year. That sort of incentivizes um, the bottom of the ladder, all that kind of stuff. However, for the for the reasons that you've just pointed out, and also the fact that the NRL, when Magic Round, when when the when the buy became part of the competition, mm. they said we will rotate it. That that's the one thing that they did say. So they're sort of mm. they're sort of locked into that. You know, you can't go well if you finish last. What happens if the West Tigers finish last for the next three years straight? They miss Magic Round because of that, and there's no rotation policy there.
6: Yeah, and, and just to add to that, like, the, like I said, the Tigers have a deal to host at Magic Round, and, you know, while the clubs like the financial windfall of hosting up there, it's not as easy as you'd necessarily think to get clubs to agree to host there because they all have different arrangements in place around contractually where they have to play their home games, how, how many they've got to play at their home stadium. You know, they might have deals in place to play in other cities or states. Uh, so therefore, you know, like to take Manly as an example, they they because they agreed to play at, at the host at Vegas this year, and they uh, have the long-standing deal with Magic Round that, well, to be honest, even if they wanted to get out of, they'd have to find another club to, to agree to take their place to host. Therefore, Magic gets squeezed out from Manly this year. So I that's kind of gone off a bit of a. Small tangent in there, but if you understand what I mean, like it's not.
0: Yeah, if yeah. the
6: Tigers, are just, if the Tigers miss Magic Round, then you've got to actually find another club to agree to host there, and it's not that easy to do contractually.
0: <laughs> it's like a Rubik's cube, mate, isn't it? Trying to figure all that out. Yes, um, just to, <laughs> in, yeah, that's right. In terms of Magic Round Two, Women's State of Origin, I thought it was—I mean, it was an absolute no-brainer. They've gone to three games and well done. That's that's awesome. Mm. So now we have this proper situation, and the way that it's slotted in and falls in um, to the State of Origin calendar, if you like, is also important because Origin One for the women will be the night before the launch of Magic Round. So they're hoping the NRL here. To, to bring big, big numbers?
6: Yeah, great move by the NRL. I've been critical at times of the way, uh, you know, of things they've done with the women's game, but this is a big win in two ways, um, what they've done this year. So, yeah, firstly, women's origin, going to three games, absolute no-brainer, had to happen. Can't believe it didn't happen earlier. Um, launching the not for Magic, look, to be honest, I think they'll break the record there for the most extended standalone women's match. It's at around eighteen, eighteen and a half thousand last year from Oregon in Townsville. I think they'll smash that this year, just or next year, So based on, uh, you know, travelling fans. We know that Queenslanders will want to get to an origin at Suncorp Stadium. There's a lot of pride that goes with that. So the NRL eyeing off a record there, and I think it's pretty realistic. And then yeah, sticking with 10 teams in the NRLW is absolutely the right move. There was a push at the end of the season to potentially go to 12 in 2024. 10 teams is the right move. The game's not ready for it yet, but they've moved the... New South Wales Premiership, the huffington Norman Premiership, because it's known to back end of the year act as a proper feeder system with reserve-grade competition, which then gets them ready to go to all teams in 2025. And just one last note in the women's draw, that they'll kick it off in Newcastle on a Thursday night on the weekend where the Newcastle men's team have the buy, which probably gives them a real good chance of a, you know, a very sizable crowd up there because we saw in the finals, you know, I think it was the 12,000 I think Newcastle got for that semi-final match up there, so again, it's probably a really good way to start the competition next
0: July. Yeah, absolutely. Good on you, mate. We've run out of time, um, but thanks for all of that. That's interesting thoughts, and yes, Women's Origin won the night before the launch of Magic Round will be huge. Scotty, thanks for your time this morning, mate.
6: Pleasure, Matty. Have a great day.
0: You too. Scott Bailey there. We'll also cover cricket. I was going to get to Scott, but I, I might hold this over for Tim Payne. The Women's Squad for Australia will be announced for their tour of India today, and They will hold off on the captaincy call now after Meg Lanning's retirement. So let's not forget Elisa Healy in the middle of all that and has said that, yes, she wants to continue, but there's the the hand issue, which I think she should be right. The dates for the Tour of India for our Aussie women, December 21 to 24 will be the Test match and then three-match ODI series after that, so between December 28 and just after the start of the new year and then after that... Three T Twenty international matches between January six and January ten. So the women's squad will be announced a little bit later on today. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six is our text line. Our text line or one three hundred oh one eleven seventy on the open line. On the text line, Simon. Good morning to you. Says in regards to the poor crowd at Sixes v Hurricanes, I predicted the cost of living crisis will hit home across all sports over the next twelve months and beyond. And this. Crisis will get a whole lot worse before it gets better. Simon says, I'm lucky I don't smoke, drink, gamble because I'm on a low income, but I can still manage to keep my Foxtel Sports subscription but can't afford to attend games. Thank you for that, Simon. I noticed um, previously, and again, this is, you know, I'm not sitting here trying to put the boot into the WBBL because they do get some good crowds, but I've noticed a couple of matches for the Hurricanes there that were just had... Very, very low crowds. Um, we can't get a crowd figure on that. So I wonder whether there's a bit of bit of viewer fatigue, perhaps. We're up to 38 matches of the WBBL. I love it. I, I like sitting back. But then I was watching last night going, oh, wow. It's not the be-all and end-all of whether or not a tournament is successful, but it certainly helps. And what's the reason? I, I don't know what the reason is there. Perhaps it's too much. It was uh, what a Monday night last night down there, and Simon might be right. Cost of living crisis in the middle of it. It's interesting too because I think we're we on the flip side of that. We've been seeing a bit of a shift back to crowd engagement, um, fan engagement at the games. The experience at the games, I would say, have become so much better. That and there's a reason behind that. They've been trying to get people back to the games, especially after what we went through in COVID as well. I don't know what the ticket prices were down there, but it just didn't seem to resonate. It's a big stadium, Blunstone Arena. It's a big joint. Um, You can't fill them all. Back in the days of the early days of the Sydney Kings, Mike Roblewski used to make sure that if there was uh, some seats that were not attended or not filled on the side where the camera was pointing, that he'd go and get the people on the other side and take them over there. (laughs) He was a master showman, and it worked particularly well. Those who were around in the Kings period through that era will certainly remember all of that. Good morning, Matthew, says Bulldog Bob. Just on the talk about a club receiving salary cap relief if they sign a player from a rival co. Well, possibly. So playing the devil's advocate, does that mean the Roosters' salary sombrero gets even larger if they re-sign Joseph Suoli'i back from RA in, say, three years' time? Pretty easy way to go from that one. Um, Look, again, this is all talk, right? So it's all speculation and talk. But what else are you going to say for the NRL? Of course you should be looking at that. Whether or not you implement it is another thing, but you want to make your game versus your competitors' game, whether that's rugby union or AFL players coming through the system, you want to make it as attractive and as competitive in the marketplace as you can. And if you get the buy-in quite literally, from the clubs on that, then why wouldn't you? What happens with the Joseph Suali'i situation? That's probably a good question. You can have some fun with that one. In terms of the weather facing the cricket over there in the semifinals and some pretty nasty weather for Australia, South Africa is forecast. Uh, 12 millimetres of rain was on the forecast that I looked at and 60% the afternoon up to 100%. So they're just saying it's going to rain throughout the match. Um, Tribe says, bring the cricket game forward four hours to get a result which sounds really easy and extremely difficult to pull off at an ODI World Cup. I wonder what the redundancy um, factors are in that. I agree with Mitchell Stark, says this listener. Cricket has become less of a contest between bat and ball and is now more skewed towards the batsman, especially since the advent of T20 cricket. Well, we can throw all this to Tim Payne Tim, by the way, you can catch him on Tassie Breakfast with Brent Costello every Monday through to Friday. So he's been doing breakfast on SEN Tassie and doing a great job, 7 till 9am. So you can hear that on the SEN app. Um, but Tim will come and join us. So we can talk about that. I want to know what he thinks about Marnus Labashane or Marcus Stoinis. I did some stats this morning and had a look at who was doing what. Marnus at this World Cup has polled on 286 runs at 35.75 average with a strike rate of 77. So just with the bat, and in terms of matches played, um, Manas has, you know, many more runs at a higher average. Marcus Stoinis playing fewer matches, 87 runs at 17.4 with the four wickets. So which way do you go here? Stoinis and Mitch Marsh were expensive against Bangladesh when Glenn Maxwell was rested. So what are they looking for? Maybe that's the insight that Tim can get. us. He'll have a personal opinion um, on who he would probably like, but what are they looking for? And he's been in this position as a former Australian captain. Every Monday and Friday, Tim is with Brent on Tassie Breakfast on SEN. 0457 736 736. We need to take a break. We'll come back, head towards the 10 o'clock news and make sure you stick around for a very, very big second hour of the program as well. Very good morning to our listeners joining us on SENQ 693 in Brezzy, uh 1620 on the Gold Coast. Benny Davis off today, so thanks for your company for the next couple of hours right here. On the morning's program, 1300 01 1170 is the open line number. 0457 736 736 is our text line number. Welcome back to our listeners on 1170 a.m. in Sydney. Still to come this morning, Tim Payne, former Australian captain, is going to join me in the next five minutes or so. Simon Hill to talk football this morning. And from the Sydney Flames, Kayla George in the WNBL, who's um, started a new chapter of her incredible basketball career at the Sydney Flames this season teaming up with her old mate Tess Magin. they've had a one and two start to the season the Flames they lost to Perth beat Bendigo Spirit lost to the Melbourne Boomers but we're talking about somebody who, who's won the WNBL championship four times 2015-16-18 <laughs> and 2022 she's been voted onto the all WNBL team on five occasions, she's coming off winning the WNBA championship with the Las Vegas Aces just last month. And also, to boot, has a Commonwealth Games gold medal in the bag from 2018. A couple of World Cup medals as well. A FIBA Asia Cup medal representing Australia. So we're talking about somebody who's been there and done it all. We'll have a good chat with Kayla George a little bit later on this morning with some insights into the world of basketball. A few things on the table for us to discuss This morning, well, Marcus or Manus, it's that simple. It's getting close. We'll see what Tim thinks about that. Plus, the weather forecast, it's not going to be pretty. Mitchell Stark says, why don't we just go back to using the one ball in ODI cricket instead of changing it over? And it's very simple for him. He says the ball stays harder for longer. It obviously makes it a little bit easier and better for the bowlers as opposed to easier and better for the batters, especially on smaller grounds and flat wickets. So you can have your say on that one. David Fafita's contract scenario is still around. And from all reports, up until round 10 next season, he's got it in his favour as to whether or not he can uh, extend that contract, which they've essentially locked in. But the options are there for 2025 and 2026. So if you are a Gold Coast Titans fan and you're watching this with interest, give us your thoughts on that. My reflection on it earlier this morning is that it's a reflection of player power and what you can put into your contracts and what kind of clauses you can have there and what kind of options you can build in and a little bit of a redundancy, if you want, or backup clause, especially when you're in the position that he's in. Do I believe that it's all about whether or not he can form a good partnership or a relationship with Des Hasler by round 10 next year? Nah, that'll be part of it, but it will more than likely be where he's at, personally, whether he wants to move move on or go to a different place, or where the Gold Coast are at, at that stage. Um, so there's a few things that play in that one. Are you okay with the way that this is playing out, or is it just the responsibility of the club to try and lock in a player and under as tight conditions as you can? Or do you have to give a bit of leeway here to a player like David Fafidi? You've got to treat those different stars and especially when they're in the red hot form and they are wanted you got to treat them sometimes a little bit differently that's just the bottom line the fallout from the drawer of course that we brought you yesterday i want to know does it change your opinion on whether your team will make or miss the top eight so let's do that this morning make or miss why do you think your team will make or miss the top eight and who do you think will be the big shock to make or miss. So the in or out from the top eight next season, now that you've looked at the draw, you've seen which clubs have the tough draw, the easier draw, the run at home, those coming off the buys that they've got to face. Parramatta are in that situation. They'll have to face, I think it's five teams um, off coming off the buy. The The Bunnies will have 13 games next season in the regular season against teams that made the finals this year. The Sharks will play this year's bottom four teams eight times. And they'll play finalists from this year just nine times. So there's all sorts of points of difference um, depending on who you follow. So what do you think about make or miss this morning? 0457 736 736 is the text line number, or 1300-01-1170, the open line number. So before we get to Tim Payne, I'll just brief you on the weather outlook for the Thursday night match. So remember, India play New Zealand tomorrow night. Um, and that one, well, they both start at 7.30 Eastern Daylight Saving Time. Full coverage right here on SEN, half an hour before that, for both of the matches and the final. And then Thursday night, so the weather looks okay for that one for India, New Zealand, not so for Australia, South Africa at Eden Gardens. The weather in Kolkata is forecast to be 60% chance of rain during the day, up to 100% at night for the match there. So let's see how that one plays out. Tim Payne, former Australian skipper, of course, you can hear him every Monday and Friday on SEN Tassie with Brent Casella in the mornings. Good morning, Tim.
5: Morning, mate. How are you?
0: Good, thank you, mate. Um, Let's start with this one. I'm sure you've been asked it a few times. Marnus or Marcus?
8: <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I'm going with, uh, depending on conditions, I've sort of answered it a couple of ways. Yeah. Uh, if we're going to use Marcus Stornis with the new ball, which I think we need to, uh, then I'm picking with him. But um, we've been reluctant to do so over the tournament. So yeah. uh, he's only bowled sort of 18 or 19 overs, I think, from what I've seen. So um, if that's the case, we're not going to use him with the new ball, then I'm going to take uh, the batting and fielding of Marnus Labershain.
0: Yeah, it's it's an interesting one, Tim, and this is why I wanted to get your thoughts on it, because it's one of those situations where you get what you get with Marnus, you know what you're going to get, but you also yeah. know what you're going to get with Marcus Stoinis as well. So it comes yeah. down to then what the team needs. So from from a captaincy and coach position, when you're sitting around talking about this you'd obviously have something made up in your mind already, but then you keep an eye on the condition. So how close do you go to sort of changing your mind, you know, as, as, as the day gets closer to Thursday night's match?
8: Yeah, I think certainly once you get to, to Eden Garden and see the pitch, they'll have a, a better idea. I think they'll have a really good idea of what they want to do regardless. Um, mm. Unfortunately, we don't know that. So we're only guessing or making sort of predictions from the outside. But um, as I said, I think we've struggled so far in the tournament to take early wickets, which has been a real surprise given the quality of our fast bowlers, but we haven't been able to swing the ball. And to be fair, not many people have um, in this World Cup. It hasn't been very conducive to swings. So um, I thought that's a role that Stoyne could play. Um, but but you're right, I don't think we can we can lose really we, either way we go. We've got Glenn Maxwell coming back in who didn't play the last game so he can bowl overs that um, that Stoyne potentially bowled in the game before. Um, but yeah, I think he needs big big game, I'm sort of leaning towards uh, Marnus regardless of the conditions. If if I had to make an absolute call because we know the quality of him, we know how proven he is in big games and test match cricket and under pressure and, um, you know, I think his fielding in the last four or five games has been outstanding and if, if he can produce something in the field that runs out of Virat Kohli or takes a great catch to get rid of um, Rohit Sharma, then that can swing the game just as quickly as well.
0: They're both impact players, so you know you're going to get an impact either way if they're both on song, but there's something about Marnus that's infectious. He's the infectious kind of player. I mean, he doesn't shut up. That's a a start, so you know that that he's going to make some noise. And he is on song, and he's making the most of every opportunity. He's one of those players, Tim, isn't he, that's making the most of his moments because there was a fair old chance. I mean, he wasn't in the squad initially, so... When you, when you look that way, do you see a player here who's like, well, hang on a second, I've got to make every second count because I, I, I wasn't going to be here in the first place?
8: Yeah, well, and I think you look right back to his test career and the same thing happened. He he, he played when Steve Smith got hit in the head by Joffre Archer. So Yeah. Um, you know, From, from that time, he, he's done it two or three times now. He's been ruled in as a um, concussion substitute or he got a game and came in to the World Cup. He's... Describe. I described to someone the other day who always looks to run to opportunity. He, he prepares himself so well that if he gets a chance, he, he very rarely gives it back because that's that's the level he trains at. There's a, you know what I'm saying, you know, in, there's no, no such thing as a big game player. You, you actually drop to the standard of your training um, when you're under pressure. And I think Marnus is a great example of that. He prepares himself so well. He trains at a really high level, and then every time he gets an opportunity, he's ready to grab it and not give it back.
0: Rain's on the radar, though, mate, um, and a lot of it by the, by the looks of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 12 millimetres is – I mean, as much as I could find my uh, – I'm a bit of a weather nerd. As much as I could find my weather forecast um, in Calcutta, <laughs> the best I got was 12 millimetres coming. But the the fact is that, it, that it's going to continue to build and build and build. Does that play any part in what type of team that you'd be looking at, what type of impact player, how fast you want to get things done if it's going to be reduced?
8: yeah. It could potentially, but again, I think they'll have all that ready to go and, um, you know, you don't want to be planning too far ahead of something that might not happen. You've got a reserve day as well and, um, you know, we know in India it can bucket down, but it can dry really quickly as well. And um, I'm not sure exactly how it works, whether they can use both days, if they get half the game done on one day and finish it the next, which I've seen happen in India before, or it's got to be a full game on on one of those days. But, uh, look, it's going to be interesting. And again, that sort of shortened... Uh, version of the game when rain's about potentially swings it back into Marcus Saunas's, his favour. So it's going to be fascinating, and um, the selectors and the coaching staff and Pat and his leaders are going to have have their work cut out. They're going to have to make big decisions really quickly if um, if rain hits the World Cup semi-final.
0: Still unsure about Temba Bavuma. Um, From what I could see, he did take part in an optional training session. He's had a hamstring strain, so Aidan Markram will take over as captain if he's not there. Who who do you have to be wary of here in South Africa because they've got some pressure points all the way through. So you'd love, in a batting sense, to try and remove Quinton de Kock and Bavuma if he's there as quickly as possible, but they've got danger signs everywhere.
8: Yeah, well, I'd be trying to keep Bavuma in, if I'm totally honest, from what I've seen mm. at the World Cup. Um, they've got uh, Heinrich Klassen, who hits it out of the ground. He scored 100 in this World Cup, and he's, he's been really dangerous. They've got David Miller, who can hit it as far as anyone. Aidan Markram, um, you, you mentioned, is a, a world-class player. Um, so they've got a guy who, who actually, when Bavuma didn't play, Reza Hendricks, who came in and played really well as well, so... Um, look, they, they've got quality the right the way through their batting lineup. Quinton de obviously the star of that team, and and the big wicket that we must get at the start because he scored four hundreds in this World Cup. And um, if he gets away, not only is he really dangerous, but allows you know that power hitting that I mentioned of Clarkson and Miller and and Aidan Markham to to take you down late. So uh, he's a huge key. And uh, the same with their bowling. I think they've got a, a really well rounded bowling attack. I think they'll pick Shamsi the um, Left-arm um, wrist spinner that didn't play last game, but I think you know, they have been looking to bowl at least 25 to 30 over the spin against Australia. So he'll come in for one of their quicks. And, uh, same with their quicks. They're dangerous. They've got big Marco Jansen. They've got uh, Rabada. And they'll pick the third one, I think, will be the Cootsie or uh, big Naguidi. So mm. they've got a world-class attack. They've got lots of options. Left-arm spin, right-arm spin, big, tall, fast bowlers. Um, so it's going to be a, an unbelievably good contest to watch.
0: Yeah, it's going to be awesome. And, of course, India versus New Zealand. Can I just get your thoughts on, um, you've probably seen what Mitch Stark has had to say. It was it was put to him about um, the conditions over there. And you said, you know, you've spoken about swing and reverse swing in particular. It's been hard to gain. Yeah. And, and Mitch has said, well, why don't we just go back to one ball? Because the ball stays harder for longer. Why are we using two balls in ODIs? It's been happening for a while. What do you think about yeah. that? This is a bowler talking.
8: Yeah, I can't remember the last time we did it. To be honest, I can't remember the last time we used one ball. I know what we the frustrating part of it and what happened, particularly in places like India, I think one of the main reasons we changed is because it was actually very hard to see. The white ball right. became a very similar colour to the pitch. Not yeah. only was that hard for the batters, it was actually pretty difficult to see it on TV at times. And that's you know, unfortunately what it's all about, isn't it? It's, yeah. um, you know It's got to be spectator-friendly and you've got to be able to see what's going on. But in terms of the skill... I think he's right. I mean, Mitchell Stark would love to be bowling at, at the death overs with a 45-over ball, not one that's 22, because he's an absolute nightmare if that thing's reverse swinging. So um, I get it. Um, yeah, I'm just not sure if it was if it was great viewing for TV, to be honest. But in terms of the game and and really seeing how good players are, I think one ball would be uh, would be ideal.
0: Yeah, and and like I said earlier this morning, if you're going to listen to somebody in this scenario, you you know you you'd be listening to somebody like Mitchell Stark. He gets it, he understands it, and yeah. I think it was the the rule was changed back in 2011, so it's you know yeah. it's been there for for a while. Hey, just I mean, a quick it must one then. Be frustrating
8: yep. for someone like him when you're seeing at the moment the scores are getting bigger and bigger, and bowlers are just it's basically like you're just getting hit out of the ground because you can't mm. you can't get any reverse swing, and that used to be the bowler's weapon at the back end, you know that. Pictures are already in the favour of one of batters in one-day cricket. We make them nice and flat so they can hit them out of the ground, and, and maybe we are seeing it go too far uh, in the batters' favour. So maybe the fifty-over format that could be um, something they look at is to is to make sure we have one ball it, and it evens up that back end of the innings a little bit more like it used to be.
0: Yeah, you know the reaction, don't you? I mean, Mitch Stark says that, and all bowlers go yes, and all batters go shut up. Absolutely, um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> India versus New Zealand. Um, so that's tomorrow night. India have been, uh, you know, just on the tear throughout this one. Winning the toss is going to be so important in this in this one, and also what Rohit Sharma does because his explosive starts have been the gateway for for India in the batting in particular to take away any of the pressure that follows yep. thereafter. He's he's turned everything around. He's he's hit at a higher average, more fours, more sixes, more power play runs quicker than any other batter at the World Cup. So. Is he the key here? What's the key, India v New Zealand?
8: Oh, they've got so many options, India. That's why they're so hard to beat. He's he's won, but if he doesn't get you, then Shudman Gill will. And if he doesn't get you, then um, Virat Kohli will. And K.R. and Trey Asai. So they just keep coming. That's why they're so hard to beat. And their bowling's the same, I think. Um, you know, they've probably got one of the most balanced and dangerous bowling attacks we've ever seen, if we're totally honest, so... They're incredibly hard to beat. They've got so many options with bat and ball. That's what makes them so hard to beat. Um, they're in the home conditions. But I did say yesterday, if anyone can do it, it's New Zealand. They, they have this absolute knack of punching above their weight. And what they will do is because they're so well drilled and they're so disciplined and so honest in the way they go about it, they'll make India play their best game of cricket to beat them. And if India were to have an off day, New Zealand would be right there to pounce. Don't worry about that. So England, India have dominated this World Cup. Uh, but New Zealand are a tough semi-final for anyone.
0: I reckon we're in for two ripping semis. Good on you, Tim. Thanks for your time this morning. No worries at all. Tim Payne joining us there, 0457 736 736. And, of course, you can hear Tim every Monday and Friday on SEN Tasmania in the breakfast program with Brent Costello. So just download the SEN app. If you haven't done so, you can tune in to any program around our great SEN network. one 1170 is the open line number if you'd like to have your say this morning. Don't forget, folks, Flight Centre's Big Red Sale is on now with limited time offers on flights, cruises, holidays and tours. You can book now to save big. That's Flight Centre's Big Red Sale. Uh, NFL this morning starts in just under two hours. So it's Buffalo Bills v Denver Broncos. The Bills, five and four going into this one. Broncos, three and five. So we'll keep you updated on that when we swing into the afternoons. You can catch every NFL game this season with Game Pass only on DAZN, NFLGamePass.com. Uh, gee, I could talk to Tim Payne for a long, long time. You know my love of cricket. And it's, it's really interesting to get insights in there. Like I said, that personal opinion on whether it's Marnus or Marcus and – God knows how many times has been asked that before. That's why I cut to the chase on that one. But then the process around it as well. What do we need at this time? They'll take a look at the pitch. They'll get a good view of conditions. They'll have their own thought process around it. They'll have worked out what's their best 11 going into this one. And then you've got to be flexible. You've got to start thinking about the other plans. And as a man is captain this country a lot more than you and I, folks. He's a man certainly worth listening to. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six. Uh, Junior Bronco says, "Maddie, let me start off by saying I'm a massive Marcus Stoinis fan. However, I've just had a look at his stats as an ODI player and the stats don't lie. Barring his magnificent 146 not out against New Zealand in 63 innings, he scored 50 um, plus seven times. His last 50 was in March 2019. His average is nothing spectacular. He's also conceded more runs in ODIs than he scored. I agree with Tim. I think Australia have to pick Manus either way. So that new ball, the conditions will play into this one. Um, I think they're going, going to pick Marcus Stoinis because of the options that, that he gives them versus the options that Manus will give you. Um, but either way you get an impact player and either way I don't think you miss out to be honest I think wh- whoever gets picked will obviously be a reflection of the conditions Jeff says Maddie, the Dragons are one of the most supported teams in Queensland regarding Magic Round the draw throws up a lot of strange things with a team who plays the same team away three years in a row only meeting once a season i.e. Para v Dragons the higher you finish the harder the draw, you should get. I.e., again, Cronulla, another soft draw. Um, bounce of the ball, isn't it? <laughs> does does it all still go into the into the computer mix over there in Canada somewhere? Is that how they spurt it out? I would not like to have that job, just to try and fit everything in and try and juggle everyone's positions and home and away matches here and who's done deals there it ain't fun but i wonder if it if it changes your way of thinking because we can pick it apart and say they've got a hard draw they've got an easy draw they play this many matches they've got the buys blah 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 we can keep going on that and all those are our stats they're, they're facts they're in front of us but does it make a difference do you sit down i reckon players will sit down and go okay i'm I'm looking forward to round 10 because I'm playing against my old team or I'm playing at this venue that I really like. Well, last year I had a shocker against those guys. and So you've got all that kind of stuff at play. But I wonder how many players actually take note of the 27 rounds that are ahead of them and who falls where and whether or not they're playing teams after a bye or whether or not they're playing this many. I, I just wonder. By the way, I'll give a shout-out too to the Parramatta Eels I don't know if, you, if you're if you on social media, folks, check it out for what they did yesterday with... I saw it on X on Twitter of how they summarised their draw. It was really funny. I think Dave Riccio said clubhouse leader, there's been no off-season for the uh, Parramatta Digi team, and I wholeheartedly agree. It was really, really cool. Now, that's a draw kind of event that I would watch. Who can come up with the funkiest, weirdest, funniest way to su- uh, summarise the draw? 0457 736 736 is our text line number. Let's go to the news. Welcome back. Uh, one of our texters says the draw is done in the Channel 9 boardroom. Okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> if that's the case, how did Channel 9 end up without any rights to the first match of the season for the first time in a long time? The first of the double headers will only be shown on Fox. The second is a Fox Nine uh, double deal. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, it's the obvious one, the obvious connection that you're trying to draw there. But hey, look, um, I don't know where the draws. I don't know how they get to it. NBA, NBA Two Core, Two K Twenty Four is out now. We'll see you on the court. We've got two games this morning in an hour's time. They'll start between the Raptors and the Wizards. And Celtics play the Knicks. 2am. Tommy is with us. Morning, Thomas. What do you got?
9: Morning, Maddie, Alex, all the listeners out there. Just on the draw. I mean, it's not random. Can we be fair? Oh, no. Can we be fair, dinghy? I mean, Roosters play Rabidos again in the final round. I mean, they uh, they negotiate when and where they want the grand final to be played. So the NRL will trot out of line saying that it's random. Um, because uh, the computer system that they use in Canada or wh- wherever it is, but they'll pick and choose when and where they want their best games, and then they'll, I assume, randomize. I mean, the rest. I mean, you look at the Bulldogs; they've been a perennial bad team the last four or five years, and for that reason, they've got seven Friday six pm games. You know that Friday six pm slot is known for being kind of not the best slot if you're a big team. That's why you don't see clubs like the Broncos or the Storm or the Panthers or the Rabbitohs or you know. Those perennial final teams, the last few years, maybe apart from the Broncos, over though although they do uh, rate well, um, they're not in that slot. So, random, give me a break. No chance. Um, yeah. Just on the Dragons hosting Magic Round now. So I reached out to the NRL. Um, Dragons
0: hosting Magic. Sorry, Dragons missing out. On missing on Magic
9: out thank Round. you. Dragons missing out on Magic Round. Um, I, I reached out to the NRL about why that was the case because you know fan engagement that was the the line trotted out last year. And in response from the NRL, I got a um, their response was um, but fan engagement is not the reason. Now there's a grab from Andrew Abdo speaking yesterday, and this is what he had to say.
2: And I know often I get questions from the journalists around who is not participating in Magic Round as opposed to who is participating, but we did say when we started um, that we would ensure that every team has the opportunity to play in Magic Round and pleasingly we'll see the Newcastle Knights make their debut at Suncorp Stadium with new permutations and new matchups across the weekend.
9: So did we find out the reason? Like did, did did we find out the reason why they missed out on Magic Round besides every team has to miss out eventually? But then at the same time we had Scotty Bailey speaking with you last last hour, Maddie, saying that well the Queensland clubs aren't going to miss out. So eventually down the track when we bring in the eighteenth team, when when it reaches you know what I'd love to do, Maddie? When we get the eighteenth team by twenty twenty seven and we won't have to have a team having to buy every single round, I just want to see the teams leading up from 2022, three, four, 5, and six. I want to know the six teams who have missed out on Magic Crown, and I can probably predict them. It's probably the Canberra Raiders. It's probably would you say the the Bulldogs? Maybe depending well, on where they are. Go,
0: if you go through what um, Scotty Bailey was saying, the ones left out that if if you go through his process of elimination, right? There's there's Newcastle have to be in this time around. Plus the eight clubs that have that have got this penciled in as their home round, plus the add the Queensland teams Melbourne Storm plus Penrith, then you start to get left with say Parramatta, Canberra, and the Dragons. So we take the Dragons out. So just if you did process of elimination, say one of those next teams is going to be Parramatta, and maybe the next team after that would be Canberra. If you went on that sort of equation lineup,
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, so you'd have Newcastle, Dragons. Parramatta and Canberra, and then one more team to miss out. Is that right? Or two more teams to miss yeah, out two before more teams 2027? To miss out. Mm-hmm. Uh,
9: another thing I just wanted to raise as well. The, so, the Parramatta Eels, um, they're going to face five teams coming off buys in 2024. We already had this issue at the start of the 2023 season when realised they, they were going to face three teams in a row, I believe it was round three, four, and five. I think it was the Panthers, the Roosters, and there was another team in there um, coming off a bye. Uh, and Graeme Andersley said in March of this year, he goes, at times we'll require compromise in any draw where you have byes every week. There will be periods of time where teams play each other coming off a bye throughout the season. We do our best to juggle all the competing interests, including minimising the opportunity for that to happen. <laughs> but, like, I mean, if you want to minimise that, Surely you have that in the back of your mind when you're coming up with the 2024 um, season draw. Okay, the Panama- Parramatta Eagles got stuffed around with playing teams off buys in 2023. Let's can not I don't want to say look after them, but let's have that in the back of our mind for 2024. And instead, in my opinion, they're getting shafted again and having to play five teams coming off a buy throughout the 2024 season. It's, I, I just don't get it at all.
0: Let me ask you this one though, just on the buys because again we can pick it apart when other people doing it would you prefer your team to have the buy at the start of the year the first round buy or the last round buy
9: last round buy 100% 100% cuz you're all every single team is busted and bruised by round 27 and if you're a team like the warriors they made the prelim final in 2023 so hopefully they want to be there um, towards the back end of the season competing for that top 4 spot so many of those players are going to be um, injured however you see, you also see um, whether or not you have the buy in the final round. We saw the mayhem that there was in round 27 this year when every single team who had already locked up a final spot rested their players anyway. So maybe you don't want it in the final round. Maybe you want it a week or two before the final round of the season. Um, but yeah, it, I would definitely want it towards the, the back end of the season rather. You don't want to you don't want to burn it in the first. I wouldn't want it in the first five or six weeks. If I'm being brutally honest, yeah, um, I'd be
0: taking the last round every every day if I could. Uh, the reptiles giving us a cheeky little little sledge across the text here, not us, but said I heard the dragons requested not to go to Queensland Magic Round. Um, ben Hunt being held a hostage, they didn't want him to risk uh, getting away in Queensland or do a rescue attempt up there.
9: Yeah, fair enough. I mean, if I was Ben Hunt, I would have, yeah, would have wanted of the Dragons playing Magic Ground. But hey, one more point. I'm oh, just on the draw and I'll get in a bit of a cricket. Um, the Cronulla Sharks. Can we, I know we like to put in the boot in the Sharks because of how soft their draw is once again. And shock horror, they get another easy run into the finals. But guess what, Matty? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter for the Cronulla Sharks because they haven't won a finals game since week two of 2018. So they can have an easy rails run going into the finals once again. They can finish second like they did in 2022 and go out in straight sets to the Cowboys and then the Rabbitohs. They can finish six in 2023 and play in front of 13,000 fans at a construction site and lose to the Roosters who missed three fullbacks in a finals game. They can, they can have all the rail run. It doesn't matter. They can play the bottom four teams twice a year for the next 10 years because they still don't show up in finals. So it doesn't really matter. So let's all calm down about the Cronulla Sharks. They'll get another easy draw for the next three, four years, and then they'll fail again once it comes to the finals.
0: Jeez, easy target. Marnus or Marcus?
9: Uh, Marnus. So you went a... Briefly through um, the stats before for Marcus Stoinis and Manus Labashain, there was a great text from one of our listeners. Just for Marcus Stoinis. So in this World Cup, I just want to focus on this World Cup alone. Alone With the bat, he's got scores of 5, 20 not out, 21, 35, 6, and then did not bat last match. That's an average of 21.75 with a strike rate of 121.4. His bowling figures, he's got four wickets with an average of 35.25 and economy rate of 7.5. So, okay, decent Marnus with the bat. He's got scores of 27, 46, 48, 62, 18, 71, 14, and then did not bat last match. He's got an average of 35.75, so that's nearly 15 runs more than Marcus Stoinis. However, this is where he gets let down, and you've spoken about this, and every expert's spoken about this. He's got a strike rate of 74.75, so his strike rate is nearly 50 below that of Marcus Stoinis. So if he wants to kind of cement his spot in the team and he can't really do anymore now because, you know, we don't have another game until Thursday night, he's got to score runs quicker, Marnus. He's got to get off the strike a lot quicker. Whereas Marcus Stoinis, although he's not getting those big runs, uh, big scores, he can, he can smash the boundaries. He can get off the mark. He can rotate the strike with whichever batter he's playing alongside. However, I would still go for Marnus Labashang, um, I, th- I think you just can't you can't deny you need the runs, so I would go with Marnus.
0: All right, Marnus is your your selection. Oh four five seven seven three six seven three six is the text line. Let us know your thoughts on anything that we've just covered there with two am. Tommy Simon Hill to talk football, host of the Global Game on SEN. Kayla George to cover basketball with us from the Sydney Flames. Uh, looking forward to that chat a little bit later on this morning. John says Matt, the NRL draw is always unbalanced. That's why we play finals, to sort the weed from the chaff. That one from John. Um, this one says, I think magic rounds should be if you get the wooden spoon, you miss out. Quite a few people, Pat, have said that. But then how do you... What happens if you get the wooden spoon time and time and time again? And what happens if it's, you know, you've got the away game, uh, the home game already settled in and locked in. There's just a little bit too much too much to give you a bit of an ice cream headache. Morning, Matty. Every team's openers throw the bat. Whether it's the Dutch or India or Bangladesh, it's the way it is now and it's been working. But if we lose two quick wickets, we want Manus because we know he'll still be there at the 40th over. He is our Virat Kohli in a crisis. Underrated in ODI, the old Manus. That one from Tony. Thank you for that, Tony. Um, Mitchell Stark, when he faced the press, obviously had a bit to say about the ODIs returning to the one ball. and It was good to get Tim Payne's thoughts on that one this morning. Don't think it will, but remember that Tim said I think they eventually went for it because it became a a viewing issue. Really, the the, the ball gets you know battered around and gets off color and it just becomes harder to see, especially for uh, TV viewers. He spoke about his World Cup form, about being rested, and also the schedule of the ODI World Cup itself.
1: Yeah, it's been, it's been quite busy. I mean, uh, the guys that, that were in Africa as well, I think we counted something like it was our 15th flight of the World Cup, or, or since we've been in India, was um, last night. So it's, um, for the guys that are in Africa as well, it's been quite a jam-packed um, sort of 10, 11 weeks. Um, but uh, it's World Cups, so it's what we play for, we're at the pointy end, um, seem to be peaking at the right time, which, which Australia tend to do in, in tournament play. and. Whilst we didn't start the way we wanted to, we've we've certainly had um, a lot of good contributions from individuals along the way and we find ourselves in another World Cup semi-final.
0: 100%. Tournament play. How many times have we referenced that throughout the course of the World Cup so far about building that momentum, about having that squad there? They showed their patient hand by leaving Travis Head back at home but still part of the 15. So if they made the call on Travis Head, there's no way that he gets back in. They had, to, they had to wait their turn, essentially, for him to come back, and they had to risk. It was a bit of a gamble, and it came off because they had the tournament play aspect of it, which is, we've got to get through nine games here. Sure, we had a slow start, and things didn't go well, but Australia do have a really good habit of building throughout tournament play. That's what I really like about World Cup's and tournaments like this, that you get the chance to build on your opportunities and your momentum as well. And if things start going your way, as in injuries and recoveries, if they start to go your way eventually, then you're kind of in the box seat, aren't you? And it's a fair old shout when you take a look at what's been happening with the Australian cricket team. Things haven't really been going their way. Yet... Here they are, and at this stage, as far as we can tell, haven't heard from them yet, but as far as we can tell, nobody's fallen off a golf cart in the last 24 hours. <laughs> right? So I think we've got 15 to choose from. We've got a full squad to choose from. Just wrap them all up in cotton wool, and whatever you do, don't let them walk down the stairs at the hotel. Take the lift, folks, although somebody might get stuck, and if it's going to get stuck, it'll be Glenn Maxwell in there getting stuck. Until we have an NRL comp, says Matt from Ipswich, thanks for this, Matt, that goes for 34 rounds, so we all play each other twice, home and away, the draw will never be fair. Good luck getting that one through, the players' union. Oh, the easier days when we just had, you know, home and away, and you kind of knew where your team was going to play at home. You knew that every second week, essentially, you could go down to your local and have a look at your team playing. Andrew says, I just picked Manus on his fielding alone. He's dynamite in the field. Yeah, he has been, and and we've all seen the rewards of that. As Stuart says, and this was echoed by Tim Payne this morning, Matty, South Africa are a better team without Temba Bavuma. So the scenario is that the South African skipper is um, has resumed light training. He's had a hamstring strain on his right hamstring. Resumed training, but still no certainty to take part. And if he doesn't, Aiden Markram will be the skipper. The draws are fast, says Aaron. They put in the permanent games, i.e. Eels v Tigers at Easter, Storm Warriors, Dragons, Roosters, and they work from there. My question is, where are the Panthers playing the top five teams all coming off byes in their first six rounds? It's a joke, says Aaron. Thank you for that, Aaron. Matty uh, was just touching on the cost of living early. I pay 500 a year for my Paris seats and no premiership since '86. Penrith is 200 for the same tickets and Penrith won three in a row. I spoke to the girls in the office and they absolutely don't care at Para. That one from Jeremy. Okay, we might have to figure that one out, Jeremy. one one 1170 is the open line number. So call us any time. Ian says, when I asked the question about make or miss, why will your team, in your opinion, make or miss the top eight? As a manly supporter says, Ian, if we stay healthy, we make the eight. So that's pretty clear, isn't it? You've got your eyes on just maintaining that squad healthy and you should have the squad to make the eight that's what we want Ian make or miss why will your team make or miss the eight and who would be the shock in 2024 to the final hour of the program on this Tuesday morning cricket footy whatever you want to talk about football basketball we cover it all right here on uh, SEN One three hundred oh one eleven seventy is the open line number Brad from Maitland is on the line g'day Brad
7: Hey, Matty, how you going?
0: I'm good, mate. Good. you want to talk about the footy draw, the NRL draw?
7: Yeah, I just, for the fairness of the drawing, everyone should play each other once before they start playing other teams for a second time. Pretty frustrating when um, you play the same team within a couple of weeks or especially if yeah. they're like a Melbourne or something like that, put you on the back foot.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Who's your team, Brad? You're still there,
7: mate. Who do you follow, Brad? I've you you breaking up a bit. Oh, I follow the, t- the Tigers, yeah. <laughs> Not that it probably matter for us, but, um, yeah. But I go to the Knights fair a bit too, so got a bit of joy out of the Knights.
0: <laughs> yeah, I bet you do. So let me ask you, and hopefully we, we don't lose the connection, but let me ask you just on the Tigers. Um, you get the round one by, oh, we've lost him. Yeah, lost him. So they get the round one by the West Tigers. So I just wanted to ask Brad there. Okay, would you rather the first round by or the last round by? But mate, thank you for calling. We're on a dodgy, we're on a dodgy line there. Anyway, um, look, <laughs> yeah, I'm got to be honest here. Like, excuse me for a sec there. I I don't, I don't really pay any attention to the draw until it's in front of us. I mean, obviously we we talk about it at length, given what we do here. And it's my job to bring you the draw when it's rolled out yesterday. And then it's also our job to have a look at those storylines around the draw. So, you know, exactly what we've been talking about. I take that off, take my radio hat off and put my footy fans hat on. I actually don't really look until it hits me in front of me that that week. I mean, that's just how I like to consume my sport. I've got a fair idea of what's going on, and even if I wasn't doing this program, I'd still have an eye across all sports and know what's happening. But in terms of who my team's playing, I don't sit down and study it in any great detail. I haven't really... I I, I haven't looked. I follow Manly, and I have not looked at the Manly draw, aside from the fact that I know that they're playing uh, over in Vegas to start. So it's, it's really, really interesting. Obviously, the draw is important and obviously there's massive talking points. But I haven't had a look at who we play and who's coming off a buy and who's not and how many games we've got at home. I just haven't got got into that yet. I'll tell you one thing that I did notice, that new logo popped up um, when they put out the draw yesterday. So now I'm looking at it and I'm going, okay, we start over there in Las Vegas is what it is. Then we play the Roosters. The interesting thing for me straight away there is what's the time – difference in between round one and round two in terms of how long is the turnaround now I don't necessarily subscribe to the theory that just because a bunch of players are jumping on a plane and going over to play in Las Vegas that it's going to derail everything I think we're at a point now where we certainly know how to uh, operate as international players essentially Um, they'll make the most of that and they'll be fully prepared and I can't see any problem Jet lag or otherwise. So we'll come back. There'll be a 14 day turnaround, two full weeks in between the first game against the Bunnies over there and the second game against the Roosters, the Morning Show Cup at Four Pines Park. So now I know that that's our first home game. So that's just the way that I consume it. Maybe you're the same, maybe you're completely different. What's next for me in terms of what point of interest when I look at the draw aside from? You know, the fact that we're going to play a whole bunch of teams. When's our first buy? So I'm thinking out loud here, folks. When's our first buy? round 13? So there you go. I've kind of answered most of the questions that I want um, so far, and then I'll just follow the bouncing ball throughout. And I've just also worked out that we play the Sharks in the last round in a 2 o'clock match on a Sunday afternoon. So let me know how you consume the draw. And again, does that make any difference to whether or not you think your team will make or miss the eight? I'm with Ian, who said on the text line, and he's a Seagulls fan, if we stay healthy, we can make the eight. So that's the way that I'd view it as well. I don't look at the draw and say, we can make the eight because of the draw. That's how I've pieced it together. Give me your thoughts on that, 0457 736 736. Jeremy says, radical solution for the draw. Make Brisbane play out of Queensland more and make their game in Magic Round a home game for them. (laughs) Um, Thank you for that. Easy fix for the roster. Play everyone once. If you play them at home this year, play them away the next year, says Cam from Melbourne. I reckon what we need to do, Tommy, I reckon we need to find out the the mathematical whiz who has to sit in front of the, the computer and pump all this information in. What is the algorithm to determine this draw. We need to speak to the to the person who actually does it, who inputs it, persons or person? Or is it just AI? <laughs> There's a radical solution. Hey? There's your radical solution. Why don't you Actually, Maestro, I'm going to leave that one up with you. Tommy's, Tommy's busy. He's now hunting down the person who came up with the draw and the algorithm. And not only that, just going to get Simon Hill for us. I've never, I've never gone down the open AI or the chat GPT or whatever it is. I'm yet to consume any of that. So can you ask AI, if you have that access, to do the draw for us? Just, just figure it out. Shouldn't be too hard. Be able to come up with it pretty easy. The global game tonight from 8 p.m. Eastern Daylight Saving Time on SEN. Special guests tonight: Soccer Star Harry Suter and New Sydney FC Manager Ufuk Tele will be joining the boys. Simon Hill is on the line. Good morning to you, mate. Um, the the tr- the chat with Ufuk is going to be quite interesting, especially off the back of a big win. I had a good chat with Quaz yesterday, and we we broke down the 5-1 victory over Adelaide United. But it's how they do it and how much uh, a new man in charge can take can take charge and change things pretty quickly.
4: Yeah, uh, it's um, uh, you know something that's worked obviously very quickly, but uh, it's only one game. But um, you know, having spoken to, to one or two of the, the players on the way back from Adelaide uh, at the weekend, I, I think the the key sort of takeaway was how he'd sort of simplified the message. Um, about what they were to do with the ball and, you know, once they were without the ball. And uh, sometimes, you know, you just need that little bit of clarity and that clearly worked against uh, Adelaide. They were terrific. Um, individual performances as well. Joe Lolly, two goals to assist. Jaden Kaczarski on starting debut with two goals uh, right across the field. They didn't have a bad player, really. So, you know, now the. the The trick, obviously, is to take that forward. They've got a little break with uh, the internationals this week uh, and then the big derby against the Wanderers. So there's still a lot of work to do, and they're by no means the finished article, but uh, he's made a very good start. And Uffi's a good coach, and I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully getting a little bit more insight into how he's going to go about it tonight on the global game.
0: Yeah, I wanted to know. You know, what do you want to press him on? What, what do you want to know out of out of what his plans are? I mean, you, you know, th- there are things that I would want to know, but but you're in this, mate. This is this is your world. So, wh- what are the answers you're looking for? Well, I guess as to how he sees
4: his team evolving. Um, you know, we know that he likes to play an attacking style of football personally. And this is nothing against Steve Corrigan, by the way, who was a very, very successful coach, won an an awful lot of trophies uh, with Sydney FC. I I guess what I'd like to see uh, is a Sydney team that plays in the manner probably befitting of a big city club. You know, they are supposedly one of the glamour clubs of of the A-League. When it was first set up, you know, they were nicknamed Bling FC. And they sort of shied away from that a little bit, which I think is disappointing because... You know every league needs big clubs and clubs that everybody else hates um, and i mean that in the nicest possible sense, but you know you, you want to feel when a club like Sydney and Melbourne victory is the same when they come to town that you 're taking on one of the big glamour clubs and i don 't always think throughout the course of their journey sydney have have really done that I, I think they've for large parts of of, of this league 's history have been functional they 've been successful there 's no doubt about that, uh, which is part of uh, the equation of course, for supporters of a big city club. but I think you want to see them play with a bit of swagger and uh, you know live up to that uh, glitzy bill- billing of uh, of a big city mm. club and we all know what Sydney siders are like you know they 'll turn up to see an attractive winning team, and when they 're not they 'll stay away because it 's too hot or it 's too cold or it 's too early or it 's too late that 's just the nature of the city. So I'd, I'd love to see them sort of embrace that uh, uh, that showbiz. Without being too schmaltzy, but, uh, you know, I'd, I'd love to see them be a, a real draw card, not just for the city, but, uh, you know, also for the competition itself.
0: Yeah, no, really well said. What's happening at Perth Glory? I see the the ownership situation over there is still a bit in limbo.
4: Yeah, it is unfortunately. Uh, yesterday, it was uh, announced that the uh, Prime Land Group, who uh, were announced as the new owners a few weeks ago, uh, had reneged on the initial payments. Uh, I think of around ten million dollars uh, to, to complete the purchase, or at least the first part of it. And uh, essentially, the, it's collapsed. Um, it's bewildering, to be honest. And I guess you know my question is why was it announced if if it wasn 't done now i'm i 'm told that you know this is uh, the protocol uh, when you 're completing a transaction, but you know football's a different business sport is a different business when when you yeah. announce owners fans you know they think it 's done it 's not like a you know an ordinary business with, with the greatest respect where not too many people care this is uh, people 's passion. Um, so, it's, it's a disappointing situation and concerning as well because the company that has been appointed to conduct this sale, Cordementa, uh is also now in charge of selling the Newcastle Jets as well. So you know you only hope that they can find another purchaser pretty quickly um they say they're going to go back to the other interested parties that were involved in the initial process and see if that interest is still there but you can understand the frustration of the Perth Glory supporters and it's it's a frustration i share um it's it's very very disappointing and uh you know hopefully they can, they can get a deal sorted sooner rather than later
0: Mm, Let's see where that one goes. You'll have Harry Suter on tonight, Um, Socceroos. So interesting scenario, mate, isn't it? So Bangladesh on Thursday night. Um, So there's some interesting clashes here. And, of course, we've got the Palestine one as well further down the track. So um, I wonder how Harry's feeling going, uh, you know, in, in, in terms of the national game at the moment.
4: Well, look, he's just had a 24-hour flight, so I'm sure he's a bit knackered at the moment. <laughs> um, but uh, hopefully he'll be okay for Thursday night. And I think the game against Bangladesh, uh, without being disrespectful, should be straightforward for Australia. They're not one of you know, the heavyweights of, of global football. Uh, Australia are at home, familiar conditions, big crowd behind them. They should be more than good enough to get the three points. The Palestine game is going to be a little trickier. Palestine, again, are not heavyweights by any means, but, uh, you know, they're handy, particularly at home. Now, they're not playing at home. They're actually playing in Kuwait because of everything that's going on in in the Middle East at the moment. Uh, But they will certainly have the bulk of the supports uh, in Kuwait City, and uh, you know that could be a tough game. You don't know what the surface is going to be like or, or the the climate, um, and, and they are more than capable of giving bigger teams uh, a punch on the nose if you're not careful. So, I, I think Graham Arnold will have targeted that game as being you know the, the the trickier one of the two, but you know to all intents and purposes one to eleven the squad depth Australia are better than both these teams, and they should start with six points out
0: of six. You've got a Socceroos star on. You've got Sydney FC's new boss on. Plenty to talk about in the world of football. Have a good show this evening. Thanks, Matthew. All the best. The global game right here on SEN with Simon Hill and Alex Brosk. So make sure you check it out later tonight. one three hundred oh one eleven seventy 1170 is our open line number. 0457-736-736 on the text. Uh, Azza from DY says 20 team comp, 19 games, home one year away the next. Mid-year break for Origins and Tests. NRLW starts early, home and away to get more mid-season games on TV. Just gone... Phew and streamline the whole shebang. And I reckon you might have, (laughs) if we did it that way, imagine the headaches that you'd save. Imagine the amount of money you've just saved. Um, I'm going to test your theory up against the AI theory. Once uh, it spits out of the computer that's now frantically whirring in the studio. Poor old Maestro's got his hands full with that one. Uh, Keep your thoughts coming as well. Here's one from Western Sydney. Matty. apart from looking at dates where I can possibly attend a game when it doesn't clash with my kids' weekends, activities, I don't take too much notice. I normally just go week to week once the comp has started. That's exactly what I do, mate. Exactly what I do. Brian from Belmore's on the open line. Thanks for calling in, Brian. Uh you're a Saints fan, so you're worried about magic missing out on
7: Magic Round or no? No, I don't really care because we've got the two points, do Yeah, um, <laughs> I think St George's got a good draw, don't you? Draw the only game well, I don't like playing Parramatta. Parramatta should be at Canberra because we haven't played Parramatta up there for three oh, three years. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah, okay. So that's, that's that, the I think only It's good. Yeah right, oh. How much did you did you pick your way through it, or did you just look at certain
7: little points? No, I just look. I just went through it and just said who would be played and, and that, that's all. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think yeah, we got nice. a good draw.
0: Yep, fair enough, mate. Well, that's good. And if you're not worried about you know missing magic round, then that's cool. And you you bang on. You get two points. <laughs> <laughs> so, right. you, yeah, you're going to get two points, um, so lock That's them right. in. Who cares and it
7: about was... Magic Round? I don't really care. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: Okay. <laughs> Good on you, Brian. Thank you, mate. It was last year after Magic Round. Um, Dragons got – it was a big loss to the Cowboys, and then Anthony Griffin got the sack after that. So, week after, loss to the Cowboys uh, in between the next match against the Roosters – Anthony Griffin's showing the door. Ryan Carr takes over, and then they beat the Roosters by two points, I think it was, in the end, just at the final stages of that match. So it was all going on around the Magic Round this time, this year. Um, next time, you sit at home. No problems. Take your two points. Have a training run. Have some coffees. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Somebody on the text line pointed out, have we, have we checked in on Greg from Gundagai? We still haven't. We haven't heard from him after his uh, third strike with the bets, with the tipping on the weekend. Um, so, Greg, I hope you're all right. No doubt you're all right. Just chip on in, chip on in, and just let us know that you're still tuned in. We we don't need a pile on for Greg, but there are there are quite a few people say, "What's happened? Where have you gone?" James is always there, and he's on the line. Good morning, James. You want to you want to dive into Manus V Marcus? Uh, who are you picking?
7: I do. Um, oh, but yeah, but first of all, Matty, um, yes. better look out for your job. The way mm. Tommy's been talking the last few days is um, very intelligent and comes across very good on the radio. So I think he should be might be looking for his own show soon.
0: Yeah, gee, that's and only a turnaround. He
7: mentioned the roosters twice. And he only <laughs> mentioned the roosters twice. <laughs> Sorry, Matty, I had to put that, that in. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I thought, I thought, I thought. Hang on a second. What on earth's happened to you, James? Who, who replaced you with another James?
7: No, actually, no. I was serious about the other stuff, other things too. Um, yeah. But with Marcus and let's say right. We've got ten players in the team. There's the eleventh is out of those two. Forget them. Have out of those other ten, have we got enough bowlers to take the ten wickets or restrict the runs? If so, yes. To get Manus. Have we got with the ten players? Have we got enough batsmen to make the runs? if we do forget sinus or you can then- well, oh no, you can't forget him then you've got to then work out yes, we do, so it doesn't really matter, but what happens if we are two down for not much? who would we need in Marnus comes in if we have one down for a lot. Is there going to be much difference? Why then not move Maxwell up to bat number? Come in at number four to smash them, and then do we have enough batsmen under after, underneath just to throw the bat? And that's the mm-hmm. way you can work it out. And I think if we work it, go through it that way, it's minus because Stoinis, we've got enough big hitters there without Steinis, but we don't have enough batsmen there who can hold and end up and then maybe score 70 off 100 runs or something like that. But still be there at over forty, forty-five. Mm.
0: That's my yeah. opinion. No, 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 no. It's it's good, mate. And that's, I think it brings it all the way back to what I was talking to Tim Payne about. You know, they're both impact players in def, in different ways of impacting the team. And you, you don't know about that scenario until you're in that scenario. So the only thing that they can really get a a read on is the conditions or are the conditions, the, the state of the pitch and what it looks like there at Eden Gardens and then which way they want to go. So you're right, um, they have to make a call before the game, obviously, and then they'll have to have to determine what happens in the game as to who they've made that call on and how they're going to use that person. How do they use Marnus versus how do they use Marcus and what are they looking for um, heading into the game? So it'll give us a clear indication of their mindset, which way they go, but I think, I think you don't miss either way, and I, I think they're going to go Marcus. But I reckon I would lean towards Manus. Um, but hey, Are you got a plan
7: that, for the worst?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the job of the selectors, mate. That's why. Uh, well, that's the job of Patty Cummins in this one, and Andrew McDonald. They'll sort that. Good man. Thank you for that. Appreciate it, James. Matt says just on Greg from Gundagai. I want to get more of his tips. You know what they say: give a monkey a keyboard, and eventually he will type a word. Says Matt. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, Maestro has been furiously working away on AI for our draw. Mm. So we'll do. We've got to speak to Kayla George from the Sydney Flames after the news. Should we? Should we see? Why don't we get the outcome after the news of what AI has been talking to you about, and then we'll uh, we'll have a chat. Talk basketball. Righto. Let's head to the news. Um, stick around. This could be fascinating. Thank you, Vanessa. Um, some basketball news. I'll be chatting with Kayla George in just a sec, but uh, the head coach of the Illawarra Hawks, Jacob Jacobus has been shown the door. He is out. They have sacked their head coach after a 2-7 and seven start to the season that sees them on the bottom of the NBL ladder. He was told this morning Justin Tatum will take over as interim head coach. While the Hawks search for a replacement, he joined the Hawks at the start of the season of twenty twenty two twenty three, a three and twenty five record, which was the worst in franchise history, and will end his tenure there as uh, with a record of five five wins and thirty two losses. A long time assistant coach, of course, of Brian Gorgian, um, who was at the helm of the Hawks for a long well for a couple of years twenty twenty through to twenty twenty two. So it was an initial three year deal. For Jacob, but that has come to an early end and he is out of the Illawarra Hawks. Um, That news just coming through whilst we're in that SEN news break. Now, Maestro, please tell me what's happening. So we we decided as we are looking for radical draw solutions, you've just gone to OpenAI or ChatGPT, what's it spurted out? Well,
3: it's spurted out some blockbusters, Matty. So we've had to do some adjustments. It wasn't aware the Dolphins existed, so I've got them in the draw now. So we've got buys included, all this sort of stuff. It's also not uh, factored in the Las Vegas start to the season. So wow. we've got to Has keep in. it factored in. in Magic Round? Uh, and I haven't got up to Magic Round because I've only got the first five rounds out because it's making me go one by one by one to churn them out. But uh, we're getting there. So, round one, how's this for a kickoff to the season? The Roosters versus the Rabbitohs, Thursday night, 8 o'clock, is the kickoff to the season that yep. OpenAI is proposing. Then I'm not too. oh, actually, they've adjusted this. So, Friday night, the first Friday night game is the Broncos against the Seagulls. Um, Titans-Panthers is the Friday 6 o'clock kickoff. Then Saturday, Dragons-Dolphins at 3. Cowboys v. Storm at 5.30. Raiders v. Tigers at 7.50. And then the Sunday 2 o'clock game is Eels Knights at 2 and Bulldogs Warriors to finish the round on Sunday at 4 o'clock with the Sharks getting the bye in the first round. Now, just looking ahead a little bit, um, after that initial game, the Broncos only have one Friday night game uh, in the first five rounds. They only have one of the Thursday or Friday night games. That's in round three against the Roosters. Um, and some of these Thursday matchups are a little bit interesting. Dolphins Titans in round two is the Thursday eight o'clock kickoff. Sharks v Dolphins, uh, a Thursday night kickoff. I don't know whether the broadcasters be too happy with that. Uh, and then looking ahead, uh, we have Sharks Dolphins as. Uh, it's listed twice. So OpenAI is going really well here. Yeah, it's gone again for Sharks-Dolphins as the Thursday night game in round five. Okay. I don't know if anyone's going to be too happy with that.
1: I
0: think we can safely say that our radical experiment to put it in the hands of OpenAI has failed. No, it hasn't worked.
3: Hasn't yeah. worked. needs a bit, failed, of, bit of Failed failed
0: miserably. <laughs> um, if you <laughs> if we could just ask us, maybe you can ask it... Um, What's the best way to determine who should miss out on magic round? Mm. Okay. See so what answer we get yeah. okay. we get out of that. We'll have that after, in a couple of minutes' time. Yes. Um, Simon on the text line says, in regards to Mitchell Stark's call to, why don't we just go back to one, using the one ball at ODIs. He says, I couldn't agree more with Mitchell. As a young lad growing up loving cricket, Today, who would want to be a fast bowler? Bigger bats and boundary ropes seem to be brought in even further from the boundaries on already small grounds, and Stark makes a good point about uh, having the two new balls at the moment. Thank you for that, Simon. Uh, Appreciate it. Matty, James was spot on. You need to prepare for the worst. Fairy tales are just that. Two of these last four teams are going to lose quick wickets. The fairy tale will be done, unless you have Marnus or Virat. There's a stat floating around, says this listener, that Marnus has a 100-plus strike rate on actual matches he's been asked to bash for. Right. Okay. So he, he goes when he needs to go. Is that what you're saying there? Ted says, thoughts on season's draw. With expansion in the West, New Zealand and PNG, 20 teams, two conferences of 10, 20 rounds, play each other in conference twice with a rep period in the middle, origin games, international games, Top four in each conference plays into current finals makeup, then points for and against becoming vital as both conferences' top four blend together to create who finishes one to eight, says Ted. Um, thanks, Ted. Yeah, well, that's... I mean, life's going to be a little bit easier in terms of the draw, isn't it, when we get to 20 teams? But that's a while off yet. We'll be at 18 teams, and it'll be easier there. Um, and that's probably... 2027. Matty, as a Storm member, I'm pleased that the club maintains its Anzac Day clash, albeit without the Was. It's an annual fixture. Um, I fly down and attend. 11 games back at Amy after being displaced this season due to the Women's World Cup, plus the bye schedule is kind for Melbourne, as they won't have to play in round 13 or 19 when Origin players are out. I don't read into opinions that the Storm have been dealt a hard draw. My thinking is to be the best, you've got to beat the best. And I'm sure that's the mentality Craig Bellamy's employing. A healthy Pappenhausen back in the one jersey. will again. Prove the doubters wrong and be finals bound. That one from Daniel from Prairie Wood. Thank you for that, Daniel. Appreciate it. Kayla George will be coming up. We'll talk more basketball after this. Let's talk basketball now. The Sydney Flames have University of Canberra Capitals tomorrow night. Flames 1 and 2 to start the season. On the line, I've got Kayla George, Commonwealth Games gold medalist, WNBA champ, multiple WNBL champ, reigning MVP, silver and bronze World Cup medalist. Kayla, good morning to you. I'm thinking we should put that on your business card. You happy with that intro? (laughs)
5: That was a pretty special intro. I appreciate that. Thank you, mate. Thanks for having me.
0: Actually, we might make it your ringtone. That'd, that'd be good, wouldn't it? Just roll them all out. But look, what it does say is is what you've achieved so far in the sport. And here you are with another challenge and another big opportunity at the Sydney Flames. So three games in, how are you finding time at the Flames?
5: Look, honestly, Sydney itself is lovely. The traffic can get stuffed. You'll probably hear my map go up in a minute because I've still got no clue where I'm going, driving to training. Um, but the girls are great. The culture over the last six weeks that they've built through pre-season has been incredible and I expect nothing less Tess Imagine at the helm. So um, honestly like, yeah, results wise, it's probably not like ideal, but I don't think we expected to come out the gates really super strong. Anyway, I think if we did, it would have been a bonus. I think it's going to be more of a slow burn just for us to get used to each other. I've been added really late, so you know, trying to get used to how everyone plays. I've never played with 95% of the girls were so just some of them um, within the team and in myself and, and just, you know, it doesn't, the wins and, and losses are, you know, yeah, it's, you need to win early, but I think mm. as long as we're, our platform is, you know, building throughout the season that we're in a, in a position to, to be good come finals, I think that's what's important for this
0: season. Yeah, I spoke to your coach, Guy Malloy, just the other week. We had a really good chat about building the team, building the culture and, and what you're starting there. And it is a starting afresh, isn't it? And now you mentioned Tess. You guys have, whilst you might not know a lot of the other girls in the team, but you and Tess go all the way back to what, since you were, since you were young teenagers. So what's the connection there?
5: Yeah, so Tess and I played together at the Eastern Mavericks in Adelaide um, back in under 14. So I met her a long time ago. Um, so we've been, yeah, pretty much besties for over two decades, which is crazy when you think about it. Because we don't act like we're that old, but it's crazy. Um, <laughs> so Tess and I have a very good connection on and off the court, and and um, to be with her again um, for the next couple of seasons is, is really exciting for me. Um, she brings out the best in me um, on and off the court, as does Guy. And so I'm just really looking forward to having her get back on the court the next coming games and. And uh, you'd yeah, be reunited
0: on court. Because I guess, I guess, Kayla, what you've been achieving throughout your career, and most recently too with the WNBA championship as well, you could have had your pick, couldn't you, of where you wanted to go? So there's the obvious connection with Tess, but not only that, you've locked yourself in for two, if not three, years with the Flames. So, outside of that relationship with Tess, imagine what drew you, so to speak, to the Flames.
5: Yeah, so I think, um, you know, as a female athlete as well, as soon as I turned 30, it's like everyone's like, when are you retiring? When are you not everyone, <laughs> but a lot of certain people, you know, as females, it's like, when are you having kids? When are you retiring? Like so, you know, ever since I was 30, like even like the day after I turned 30, I was like, whoa, this is different. 29 yeah. didn't have these questions. So honestly, like for the club to really believe in me and believe in, um, you know, my body, at you know, to be my last year, potentially 37, and, um, you know, I just, I have looked after my body. I've, I've looked after my body, and I'm, I feel better in my 30s than I did in my 20s, believe it or not. So um, I just, I really liked what they were building. I liked that, you know, they've got a big facility getting built, like a purpose-built facility for the Flames and the Kings, so there'll be a brand-new facility in the next year or two that we'll get to train in um, just for us. Uh, there's a lot of hype around it, and there's a lot of momentum around Sydney at the minute, in the hoops capital, as they call it. So um, I just really wanted to be a part of that build and, and a part of the the elevation of, of basketball in Sydney.
0: You've got the obvious experience in the WNBL and you've achieved it all at this level, but the international experience also, you've, you've achieved at the highest level there. So what do you bring, what can you bring from an international perspective to the younger players around the team and the squad?
5: Yeah, that's a really great question. Honestly, I just like to lead by example and, and, you know, I just like to make sure that everyone around me is really good and thriving and that's kind of how I thrive and and to put the Lara McSpanen and the Isla Juffmans under my wing and just really just um, motivate them to to jump to the next level and really, you know, reach the higher feeling of their game and and by doing that, really create a sisterhood bond with them so that they can really feel that love and care that I have for them so that it brings out the best in them, right? And then they can, you know, watch me lead by example on court and off and and hopefully that they can take something of how I do something and add it to their own and, and, you know, lead the next people after them. So um, I just like to really look after people mentally. I think that that's really big and and making sure that people are really, you know, in a good spot because I feel like when people are in a good spot, you get the best out of them. So then from 1 through to 11 or 12, however many players you've got, everyone's feeling good and, you know, you're getting the best out of everyone. So, you know, that's what you want, right?
0: Yeah, and the more we speak to, to you guys at the Flames, especially this year, the more we're getting the understanding of of how much you're looking after each other and what you're trying to build. And that's really clear and, and present, right, which is awesome. Then you've got to switch on. So the professionalism must kick into you. How intense do the training sessions get? What about when you're dropping games and, and you're starting to uh, you know ask each other those serious questions? Is there a definite switch that you guys can flick on?
5: Yeah, I think I think there is, but I think as a group we're we're learning each other's switches and we're learning. Um, you know, like in, against Bendigo and Mildura the other night, we had a fifteen point lead at halftime and almost lost the game. But I actually preferred that we, you know, made some mistakes. They had some good looks and they got back into the game because it's those moments with a, with a young team that actually builds character and resilience. So I, I would have rather that how it turned out. I mean, yes, we won, but even if we'd lost by a couple of points. In those moments, like that's where you build and you get an understanding of your teammates. When you win by thirty, you don't because everything's just roses and petals, right? Like mm. you really, you really need to grind out wins sometimes to really have an understanding of each other. So in these early stages, while we're learning, like what, how everyone clicks and how everyone moves and the professionalism and all that kind of stuff, which all is just part of it. Like, I think moments like, you know, our lost the other night to Boomers. We're going to come back into training today. I'm on my way to training now, and we're going to watch some tape. We're going to learn from that and keep moving forward as a team, as a collective. And it's how we do that which will build our character. So I don't actually think losses are terrible at this point in time, especially for a group as new as us. I think that we'll just, you know, as long as we're all buying in, which for the most part, like a, I feel like we're all buying in. Yeah, losses suck, absolutely. But some of that's self-inflicted. Um, you know some of the, the mistakes we make on the court so a lot of that can be rectified and, and we can go back and, and work hard and, and together as a collective learn how each other bounces back and, and really get on board the same train and, and keep pushing forward if that makes sense.
0: Talk to us then about what you get up to off the court, aside from dealing with Sydney traffic and and relying on your maps to get you through. But as what as I'm else? I'm sitting
5: in the longest line at the minute. <laughs> <of traffic.
0: laughs> oh, mate, welcome to Sydney. What, so, what what else do you do, takes your interest, and in? what do you do away from basketball?
5: Oh well, I don't know if you know this, but my daughter Pearl takes up a lot of my time. She's one, yeah. and she's a a bloody little legend. So she definitely is. This has majority of my attention off court which even when I'm on court to be honest I'm always looking around for it um but no I also have four dogs <laughs> right so what type I um I have two Siberian Huskies and two mini Dash Hounds but my Huskies are a lot older so they're super chill But so my Dashies are a little two and three so they're a bit more active but I think they think they're wolves so I, essentially I tell people I've got four wolves <laughs> I've got a whole wolf pack um but yeah so I I'm not, you know, walking them. I'm hanging out with Pearl. Or I try and get out of the house a lot, get the puppies out to a park, get Pearly out to a park. She's, the last month or so, just started walking around and discovering new, you know, new feelings and her feet. She just really was comfortable to walk on grass yesterday because it kind of freaked her out for a while, but she's started walking on grass now. So it's all the little things. So I love just being out with my family, obviously my husband's here too, and just, yeah, getting out and about. I don't mind a bit of online shopping. Um, but I'm not sure that anyone wouldn't. Um, yeah, so that's kinda yeah, just I like to spend my time with my family. I feel like I'm away a lot too from my you know, my family up in Canada, especially when I'm home, I just yeah. like to catch up with mum, my sister. My sister just had a fifth kid, so just, you know, catching up with all the nieces and nephews and <laughs> um yeah, look, it's very much family fun for me.
0: Uh, it's awesome. You've got your hands full. We absolutely love it. It's been a wonderful talking to you this morning. Look, best of luck, I should say, against uh, UC Capitals tomorrow night. Um, let's see where this journey takes you for the Sydney Flames because it's only just the beginning. So thanks for your time this morning.
5: Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it.
0: Afternoons with Jimmy Smith coming up uh, very soon. Sydney Swan CEO Tom Harley will be on the show. Daniel Garb and Jaleesa Apps as well. And then, of course, the run home this afternoon. Tomorrow on our program, Stephen O'Keefe will join me. Socky Boy, SENZ Mornings host, Daniel McCarty as well. So we've got a nice, uh, fun day for you tomorrow. Now, before we leave, Maestro, I gave you the AI task of... Mm. Seeing if it could determine how the magic round team that misses out is determined.
3: Well, so the first thing I put to it is uh, what's the best way. It gave me a list of about five things that I think the NRL have taken into account. Rotation system, competitive balance, fixture Mm. requirements, fan base and attendance, historical participation. So it's gone into quite... Historical? Well, so... For example, the knights missed out last year. They should miss out yeah. again this year. But I then I put it then I put it to uh, ChatGPT. How would you decide And it said, "Random draw. In the spirit of fairness, <laughs> consider a random draw <laughs> among the eligible teams to yes. determine exclusion. This uh. approach adds an element of chance and eliminates any perceived bias in the decision-making process.
0: Barrier draw. That's I love what it. We need. Hey. Thanks, ChatGPT.
3: <laughs> You've I'm sure great. the broadcasters will love that. <laughs> the NRL as well. Yeah, yeah. And just imagine explaining that to the clubs.
0: Oh, well, uh, excuse me, how did I miss out? Oh, just random.
3: <laughs> <laughs> the Roosters would love it. Tom would love that. I
0: don't mind it. I don't mind it. Whatever happened to, you You know, the old, just just draw it out of a hat. Yep. We could do it in the middle of Martin Place. You'd do it in the middle of the city somewhere. Make it a big showpiece. And this is who misses out. Celebrating <laughs> Not who, who, gets misses in and out. who misses out. <laughs> oh dear. I don't know if did we get to a conclusion after all that? The only conclusion is that um your mate AO has got a long way to go. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It'll get there.
0: Nathan says, I watched the flames on Sunday. Great quality basketball. I'm taking my daughter Wednesday night against the Capitals. Thanks, Nathan. And uh, yeah, thanks to Kayla George. What a great chat that was. Uh, Hope you had fun this morning. I certainly did. Thanks for your company. Do it all again tomorrow. Bye for now.